Thank you, Zach, as always. Welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. Giannis expected to play tonight. Return to the court. Bucks and Heat, 630. Game four. Bucks seven-point favorites. Looking to even the series at two before they shift back to Milwaukee. Brewers drop two or three against the Red Sox after an utter implosion by the bullpen in the eighth inning. Nine Red Sox crossed the plate in what was lining like it, it was a fitting capper to the weekend. What happened in the eighth inning there? Uh, frustrating, obviously. We'll get into all that coming up. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Talking Packers draft concern about the Bucks entering Game Four tonight. Uh, Grant, before break, mentioned what's what's the biggest mistake. This is what I want to get to right now. What's the biggest mistake Brian Gudikins can make in the first round and maybe throughout the entire draft coming up this weekend? I don't want to go through the importance of it again. I think everybody realizes this. What's the what's the biggest mistake he can make? Drafting a quarterback, <laughs> I think, would be a very poor decision unless something insane happens in the top 10 and you know, a quarterback that you maybe had as the best or second best prospect in the draft. Somebody really liked balls to you. Okay, maybe. But I think drafting a quarterback would be very dumb. Like Will Levis. Imagine if he drafts Will Levis at 15. How, what would your response to that be? I have said that Will Levis is off my board for the reason that uh-huh. everybody would have trouble pronouncing his name. Uh-huh. Because it's spelled like Levi's. Levi's. That's a good take. I think the dumbest thing in a category by itself would be quarterback. I think the next worst thing would be drafting Brian Branch, a safety, a 15. I think that would be a terrible use of the 15th overall pick. I concur with that. This is something that we're not going to see the result until all of these players step on the field and their careers are somewhat done. I had safety. That's at the top of mind. The more I think about what's going on with a certain older quarterback that is set to no longer be on the roster going forward. I think it'd be a mistake not to get the Rogers deal done. Sure. So, so we're talking about a a decision outside of like picking a certain guy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because there could like, there might be concessions that need to be made on both sides to get the deal done. That's the nature of negotiation. But I don't think it'll be healthy going through the rest of the off season, not to mention missing out on the chance to draft players in this draft to help Jordan love now. Like if this deal doesn't get done until June 1st, it's okay. They get to spread out the cap hit. I would almost rather have it all hit this year. Get it over with spreading out. The cap hit would only hinder future teams. We already know what this team is going to look like for the most part. There aren't big free agent moves that could be had. The roster was already established to take on the Rodgers contract. I'm fine taking on the cap hit this year. I don't see the benefit of waiting it out the whole time, except for you think you can get more value going into future drafts. But again, with where this team stands, a show we did a month ago, maybe. Would you rather have the picks in this year's draft or next year's draft? I I think it's a slam dunk. You need the picks this year. So whether it's a second, yeah. whether you have to concede and say, oh, if he retires, we'll give you a conditional four in 2025, whatever. At that point, 
a fourth round pick shouldn't be the difference between the team being great or bad. I would I would much prefer them get a second round pick in this year's draft, whatever else for next year, whether it's a second or a first, where the where the the negotiations are, just get it over with. Yeah, that's the mistake I I think that he could make is not getting it done. I agree with just about everything you just said. I think mostly with your comment about how it wouldn't be healthy to just keep Aaron Rodgers around past the draft. Mostly like, for I know sports a lot of talk Packers radio. Fans. Well, well, yeah. Again, putting the me in media, I would not enjoy that. But I think a lot of Packers fans have said, you know, well, the Packers don't need to get rid of him. They can keep him on the roster this this summer. They can training camp. He just won't show up. I don't think he can. I don't think he can do that. That's a circus. And I think some Packers fans maybe underestimate how weird and awkward and clunky and uncomfortable that could get with Aaron Rodgers. He's not Derek Carr. Derek Carr's like, yeah, I'll go home. I don't want to be a distraction. I'll go home, put my thumb up my butt. Yeah, I'm Derek Carr. I'll just wait until the offseason. <laughs> Rodgers is not going to do that. Rodgers is not just going to quietly, patiently wait. I'm not, look, I'm not saying Rodgers is going to be difficult and, and he's going to show up. and, But just the way we talk about Aaron Rodgers and the way he's covered will be difficult. Like, you are right. For the health of the Packers, that needs to get done if we're going to proceed and, and start the next era of Packers football. I think the worst thing a backup quarterback can be is a big story. Mm-hmm. And at this point in life, Aaron Rodgers is not the starting quarterback of the Packers. So if he's not the starter and he's still employed by the team, technically that leads you to believe that he is of the backup variety, not to go into the specifics of the words, no, but the it's, worst it's, if A, then B. If C, then totally. It's yeah, just logic. True yeah. transitive property situation. But the worst thing a backup quarterback can be is a story. So the better this story, which it hasn't been at the forefront of everyone's minds because nothing significant has passed. But now that the draft is coming up, if it doesn't get done this week, I guarantee you every single day for the rest of the offseason, for the whole summer, into training camp, it's a story. Loves answering about it, maybe. LaFleur, Gudikins, they're having to talk about it or at least express thoughts, asked about it, whether it's warranted or not. I think that's the one of the worst things that can happen. Yeah, I wonder how we would react to that. I wonder how the media, like if we get through the first two days of the draft and there's no Rodgers trade, is that a story that, I don't know, is that something that's talked about a ton? I, I asked you, I think, last week, what you predict the biggest story out of the draft will be like, wow, CJ Stroud goes to this team. We didn't expect that. Or Jackson Smith and Jigba falls here. We didn't see that coming. There's a world in which the biggest story coming out of this draft is the status of Aaron Rodgers, And I would prefer that story to be, he is now on his new team and everything's nice and copacetic. And we're not looking around wondering, asking Gudikins, asking love, asking the Packers rookie class in their first media availability. Hey, what's it like to be drafted to a team that has two quarterbacks or something like that? You know, it, it becomes a thing. Not to mention we had the David Bakhtiari bit on the podcast referring to the Packers front office, which he later specified as they, yeah. you know, are they going to be good? I don't know. It was, it was weird wording, but one of the messages of what he was saying was, what if they just keep him on the roster and say, we're not going to give him up for something we think he's he's worth more than? And if David Bakhtiari thinks that's possible, I bet you some of the other vets think it's possible. 
which means in the back of their minds, they might be thinking, oh, you know what? He's still employed by the team. Why can't he just come back and play and then get traded later if the Packers really hold this out? Which, yeah. again, we talk about health and in terms of getting into the new era, going through the offseason. Yeah, it's something that has to get done. I think it's, I, I it's going to be the story of the draft no matter what. Whether it's done going into the second round, whether it's not done, I think it's going to overshadow, in terms of national media, a lot of the draft picks that are actually made. Yeah. I think the age-old expression has been... In, in order to get over someone, you need to get under someone else. I think that maybe applies for the Packers and all these veterans, right, who've played with Rodgers, right? They're going to experience life both before and after an Aaron Rodgers trade. Bakhtiari is one of them, right? Rashawn Gary, Jair, some of the elder statesmen of this team, they're going to now experience two eras of Packers football. It's going to be hard for them to accept, and it's going to be hard for the Packers to sell them an Aaron Rodgers less era a jordan love era if jordan love is working with aaron Rodgers over his shoulder whether aaron Rodgers is present or not if he's employed by the team it's going to be really hard to sell this is what we're doing jordan loves our guy you know don't mind the man behind the curtain that's going to be really tough to do counterproductive not productive for sure arguably counterproductive 877-867-1670 what's the biggest mistake gudikins could make going into this weekend and going into the draft. Other things I wrote down, Grant, were drafting Peter Skaronsky. <laughs> somehow coming away with Quentin Johnson, notably out. Yeah. And then the last one is not drafting Lucas Van Ness. If we really want to go that far. I, I, I have to read this. I, Bally Sports Wisconsin is doing a lot of uh, preview work on potential picks, and they just published an article about Van Ness. Aside from what people think about Van Ness, just listen to this paragraph and then tell me what the reaction would be. And I quote, chiseled at six foot five, 272 pounds. Van Ness has a rad nickname, Hercules. He played about half of Iowa's defensive snaps and projects to be an early impact player. Thanks to strongman skills and, and a numbing bull rush. His 16% true pressure rate, which isolates dropbacks, was equal to that of Georgia defensive tackle and projected top 10 pick Jalen Carter. Chiseled at six foot five, two seventy two. How can you not buy into that? How are the people out there not just fawning over the Packers drafting Lucas Van Ness? I got to stick to my priors, Ben. My priors don't love Lucas Van Ness and his projection onto the Packers. But now this... <laughs> Media campaign. You're talking about smear campaign. Maybe this is a puff campaign. Within two hours, the Packers and Bally Sports Wisconsin have both dropped a piece. What is this? I've been mentioning him as my guy since Friday. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Do you honestly think he'll be available at 15? Because the way things are trending, it seems like he's a top eight or nine pick. I don't think he will be available at 15. And I, I honestly don't want the Packers to trade up for him. Cause I don't think it's worth that much, but still we all have our dreams. I had to stake. I, I had to stick my flag down in the ground for somebody when it comes to this draft. Cause again, there, there are a lot of guys that we would be fine with that, that we'd be excited about. I'm sure there are a lot of productive ways they can go with it, but in every draft, again, you got to stick your flag in the ground and say, okay, that's the guy. So he's the I guy have a take. He's a rad nickname. Grant. 
No one says rad, and <laughs> no man could call one of their friends Hercules. Imagine if I called you Hercules, Ben. Well, you'd be mistaken because I am um, skinny, we'll say. Yeah, I suppose. What's the take? Look, he's he's actually kind of what they need. They need help in the defensive trenches. He could play D-line. He could play edge rusher. I like versatility. Yes. Sure. And there we go. Campaigns Do I need to work. Add him to my draft board. I, well, there's nobody on your draft board. Well, hold it up to the camera again. Grant has a has a draft board, which is a small plank of pine, in which he has written on which he has written Grant's 2023 draft board, and below said title is not a single name. Which makes me wonder, I are, are you like Simon, uh, what's his name, on America's Got Talent and, and American Simon Idol? Cowell? Simon Cowell. Are, are, are you the guy that just looks at every draft prospect and looks at all the deficiencies and question marks? Well, it can't all be puff pieces and nicknames, Ben. Someone's, someone's got to look at this stuff with a critical eye. I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be available. There's so much steam and so much, well so much noise around Van Ness and there's negative noise around seemingly everyone else. Like who else has rocketed up the board the way Van Ness has? Is there another player who's got this much positive buzz? seems like a couple guys have gotten negative buzz, but that's it. I think that has to do with the longer we get from the college football season, the more we forget about what happened on the field and the way that Iowa deploys its defensive linemen is if you're a senior, you start. So Van Ness did not start. Even though when he was on the field, he was a freaking force. Like every snap has a, a similar pressure rate to Jalen Carter. He's the best defensive lineman in the country. But it's happening with other players too. Will Levis, the more videos people see of him hitting a crossbar from his knees from 50 yards, the more excited everyone gets about him for getting what he looked like playing football. It happens with a lot of guys. Plus Van Ness checks all the boxes in terms of Herculean traits, we'll say. let's do this coming up next Ian Rappaport was on the NFL network and talked about his note that the Packers and Jets have restarted the trade talk surrounding Aaron Rodgers you'll hear what he had to say next we will react to it there's a lot more to come that's Grant Bills I'm Ben Kenny it's the Bill Michael show this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, it sounded to me, based on the several sources I've spoken with, that it was a phone conversation more than a text or sliding in someone's DMs. I guess at this point it'd be weird. Plus, I don't know if Brian Gutekunst is a big social media person. Joe Douglas probably also not. So a phone conversation really after a couple dormant weeks. And, you know, the reality of this thing, Andrew, the Packers-Jets trade, which I think we all can assume is going to happen eventually, this was always going to be at the last moment, probably for both sides, to extract as much value as you possibly can right up against the deadline for when a deal had to be done. And the reason why this deal should be done this week, while both sides believe a deal will be done this week, is that it will likely include a second-round pick 
Uh, that would be on Friday, so it has to, Tom, be done before Friday. And then, of course, there's the matter of Aaron Rodgers' contract. If it does get uh, converted, if he does, if the Jets do create some salary cap space, that would probably have to be before the draft as well. All which is to say they are talking. It is moving in the right direction. It is not done, but the hope is at some point it will be. Awesome. There he is. That is Mr. Ian Rappaport talking about the methods by which Brian Gutekinst and Joe Douglas used to communicate with each other, which I'm sure was at the forefront of all of our minds, Grant. Uh, ben Kenny was Grant a, Bills, by the way, Bill Michaels show. Was there a garbage truck backing up behind Ian Rappaport in that video? What was that? <laughs> uh, it, Am I the only one that noticed that? It, it appears that they are, uh, or some sort of production truck. They are on the set in Kansas City, the green room. Which looks, they have a lot of potted plants. It kind of looks like, you know, between two ferns, that show. I don't know yeah. what it really was. I've just seen some of the clips. Very funny. I think it's on YouTube. But it looks like a set of, of between two ferns. There's little black wall drape, drape stuff and then potted plants. And then some chairs. That's wow. how I describe it. It's got to look somber enough because most of the first round of the NFL draft is seemingly stories about dead relatives for most <laughs> of these prospects. Isn't it? Like, it, it is dumb. You, you were saying how day two of the NFL draft is better. Like, that's night number one. And some of the stories are really cool. Like, like no shade on the reporters and the producers that put together these pieces. But this wide receiver is so fast, so good. His aunt also passed away when he was six. And then, and then it's like, oh, I don't need to hear about this I'm trying to watch the draft. And now we got to, I don't know the draft and the, the TV production of at least the first round is, I don't know. I always got some bugaboos with it. Yeah. This one is dating Cole Komet's sister. Yeah. Things of that they, they're not going to do a story. On, they probably will do a story on that. They definitely will. They always do. Happens to be dating the sister of a bears tight end. Guarantee uh, it. Eight seven seven eight six. Seven. You think she calls him Hercules? <laughs> Don't answer that. Not going to. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. That's Ian Rappaport talking about the negotiations, the trade talks between the Jets and the Packers. They talked on the phone. Great. I just can we just get this done? Like I, I know they're all preparing for the draft. The Jets will take a tackle. The Packers will. Probably take some cornerback that no one wants and then turns out not to be good. I like it. Can we just get this whole thing done for the reason of what we talked about, the health and well-being of the Packers organization and media narratives? More importantly, for the fact that I don't have to play every 45-second Ian Rappaport hit he does on NFL Network. It is pretty ridiculous. I've played a lot of them on my show, too. Pretty dumb. There just isn't much there. They're talking. Awesome. There never is. Awesome. There never is. We but do mostly text messages. They've yet to return. Their snap streak died. They no longer have a, a Snapchat streak. Ben, you do not strike me as someone who tolerates Snapchat at all. No. Like, we're not friends on Snapchat. Do you even have Snapchat? I I have it. I don't think that's something you're using a lot. It's relative. Strike me no. Okay. No, no. Do not use it. Do not spend much, much of my time on it. It's an old, like, you know, some big group chats that are still active with funny things that are sent, but that's all. What it's good for. That's about it. Uh, yes, Rappaport made sure to mention that while well, Gutekinst and Joe Douglas don't seem like big social media guys, so maybe they did not slide into each other's DMs.
which is just, this is great. This is awesome. It's draft week. It's Aaron Rodgers week, which is really where we are. It's supposed to be about the kids. (laughs) It's supposed to be about the kids. ESPN proceeds to talk about every single sad piece of yeah. what they've gone through. It's supposed to be about the kids, but really it's just sucking the life out of Ben Kenny, slowly (laughs) but surely, that he has to play every soundbite related to Aaron Rodgers. But it's also about the kids, but also about Ben Kenny. It's about both. 877-867-1670. I do tend to struggle with the amount of time between the pick being in and the pick being announced when you talk about the telecast. When we get to rounds two and three, whenever the pick's in and they're talking about a pick four picks ago, on with the highlight package and and Kuiper's doing his thing. Todd, 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 you know. Um, they always show the pick on the bottom. It just happens. But in the first round, the pick is in, and then seven minutes later, they come back from commercial and it's announced. Not to mention the the former blue checks, now not blue checked on Twitter, make sure to let everybody know what the pick is about five minutes before it's actually made, which is great. Ruining it. it ruins the television product. It does. It's worse in the NBA draft. And I, at some point today, was going to bitch about this if you didn't bring it up. I hate it. I hate, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when Schefter and Rappaport, it's mostly Schefter, but it's worse in the NBA draft when Woj and Shams just have to go back and oh, forth, gosh. ruining the little intrigue that the NBA draft has. It's not the NFL draft. It's not as exciting. What we do have is the the pageantry of Adam Silver announcing the pick, and we're all hearing it for the first time, except Woj and Shams ruin that, and it makes me really angry every June. Now, someone could say, Ben, Grant, why don't you guys just get off Twitter? Why don't you get off Twitter during the draft? Which I would respond, no, I I can't, if we're being honest. Not to mention I'm on the air with Bill, and, and we're live, and I need things to bring to the forefront, news to break, things to discuss. It's a great time on Twitter. Everybody's throwing their takes together. Everybody has a lot of opinions that will mostly be wrong. Peter Bukowski's deleting all of his old tweets that have aged poorly. Cut that out of the podcast. Don't let that stay in the podcast. That's a joke. 877-867-1670. Draft coming up Thursday night. Got the Bill Michaels Draft Show 7 to 11. We will be here. We will be reacting to it. The Packers pick at 15. And then, I, Grant, here's how, I guess, Thursday could gain some interest for Packer fans. We know that they're at 15. I would like it if they traded down from 15, if a lot of options are on the table. Let's say Rodgers is traded Thursday morning, which is my ideal scenario. I, I, I would like for him to be traded in 10 minutes, but that's not going to happen. Say he's traded Thursday morning. Packers get another second round pick. Then they get to the end of the first round and they realize, oh, there goes Dalton Kincaid. Team just picked him. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They re-enter the first round to get a certain tight end that they may love. They come out of the first couple rounds with a top tackle and a top tight end. Could be exciting. I I wouldn't put it out of, of Goody's hands to grab that second and be like, oh, yeah, we're going up. We're getting well, a guy. I saw Brad Spielberger, uh, who's been on my show. He's a friend DFS. of the show. Of- oh, yes. Okay. Friend of the show, too. He's really good with contract stuff. He was tweeting this morning about the idea of luxury picks 
meaning if a team had a first rounder and then they acquired a second first rounder and well that second first rounder we can be loosey-goosey with that because we it's a luxury pick we didn't have it in the first you know place that's what the eagles would, have yeah he was kind of pushing back against that he's like resources are so valuable in the nfl picks are so valuable you can't treat extra picks as a one-off you can't treat them as extra picks you have to treat them as the resources that they are and maybe that's a criticism of Gudikinst over the years is that when he gets that second pick like the darnell savage pick he just kind of wields it from the hip and he fires from the hip and, and i don't think that was the case with Devonte wyatt but he definitely i don't i however you want to break it down he definitely threw that pick to the wolves to go get christian watson and it worked out because he got the right player but that was a very expensive price to pay to get Christian Watson. So it'll be interesting to see how Goody handles any incoming picks from an Aaron Rodgers trade, because in the past he's been pretty, been pretty loose with those extra picks. So that's something to consider too. There's something to be said about general managers, job security being helped when they hit on first round picks. There might be other things that they're bad at, which I would argue are maybe even more, more important in terms of roster building and contracts. But fan sentiment is largely or somewhat built around how do you do with the top picks? Because that's the that's the storyline. That's whether you're good or bad at drafting. When you have two first-round picks, though, I feel we kind of saw it last year. It's easier to go reach for a guy because you have two chances for the fans to like what you did in the first round as opposed to one. So he took Wyatt, who was a consensus guy up there. He then reached for Quay Walker. Now, it turns out in the first year, Quay Walker probably hit. Wyatt, for many reasons. He hit two trainers. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, there were uh, altercations. He hit. Yes. That was a hit of a pick. Yeah. But I don't. when you have two second-round picks, the same maybe could be said. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. Just because you have an extra pick doesn't mean you can do whatever you want with that second pick. Like you should treat that pick as the very valuable resource that it is. Right. So, and that's why earlier we brought up the idea that if they get an extra second in the Aaron Rodgers trade, they could use both of their seconds to jump back up into the first to get the tight end that they pass on at 15. And I, I don't know if that's the smart thing to do, but history has shown us that that's maybe what Brian Gutekunst will do or would want to do. So it's something you got to consider. 877-867-1670. You want to get a hold of the show? That's how you do it. On Twitter, at Benzie Kenny. He is at Wisco Grant. Coming up next, there is a certain draft shtick that has lived for a long time. And still to this day, when I watch it, it cracks me up. While some of the beauty of it is in the visual, I think a lot of beauty is found in the audio. I'm going to play it when we come back. We'll also get to the Brewers. They lost two out of three to the Red Sox. Does the team have a certain problem in the back end of their bullpen? We'll talk about that as well as much more. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. back bill michaels show ben kenny grant bills hanging out 
I want to get to a, a clip I mentioned entering break of one uh, of Frank Caliendo on ESPN and the Mel Kuyper bit that has lived forever. Uh, get to that in a second. Twitter question at Ben Z Kenny today. Are the Bucks in trouble, whether it's against the Heat tonight or long term for the rest of the series, for the rest of the playoffs? Giannis coming back tonight. 61.2% say no. Giannis is back. There's no concern. 38, nearly 40% say they are still concerned based on the disappointment and the bad performances that we have seen. So that's going on. Uh, Grant, what does the name Frank Caliendo mean to you? Well, Ben, I remember watching uh, Fox NFL Sunday's pregame show, Terry Howie, Michael, Jimmy. We'd come home from church, my family and I. Hmm. And then, you know, you'd get into the living room after mass and you'd loosen your shirt collar and your tie. We never wore ties to church, but, you know, relax a little bit, put on your Sunday clothes, and you turn on the TV and there's Frank Caliendo. Funny entertaining, great for the whole family, and a part of the tradition of Sunday, right? Getting ready for the games, eating lunch maybe, gathering the family around the table with some chicken, nice Sunday chicken after church. That's what Frank Caliendo means to me. I I think the introduction I had to him was this bit, when he is Mel Kuyper and he is on television with Todd McShay, and visually, he just nails it when it comes to the facial expressions. But I saw yeah. this resurface today, and I had to throw it out there. Uh, Ten years since this was recorded. If you want your do-you-feel-old moment of the day, this is ten years old. Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. Todd, let's start with you. Fact or fiction, Jarvis Jones is Back to a fiction. top-ten pick. I'm going to go fiction here. Listen, I, I love his production like everybody does, but I wonder about the scheme fit. When he's six foot two, he's 248 pounds. Why is Mel disagreeing? He's six foot two. He's two hundred and forty-eight pounds. You look at him as a player. He can come off the edge. Todd, he does some Todd, certain Todd, things. Todd, 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 Todd. When you take a look at his production, the SEC is an outside linebacker playing through an injury, two successive years, put up incredible numbers, tremendous motor, can beat you a variety of ways. I think this is a guy to me, Todd. Deserves to be a top ten pick. Well, there you have it. Two of the best football minds in the business. There he is. Yeah, every time. Every time. I love that bit so much. We would do that in college, in my college house. We just yell, Todd, 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 Todd. We just yell it across the house at each other. Why is, I think my favorite why is Todd disagreeing as he <laughs> as he lists his height and weight? I think that's sneaky, the funniest part. Caliendo does nail the faces. He does Gruden's face and uh George Bush's face like really well. Yes. The faces are a big part of it. Yes. Uh the when he was on college game day six or seven years ago and they asked him to do picks as Lee Corso in front of Corso and he took a very long time to say not much oh it was perfect started pointing the pencil at people yeah Uh, his his Madden he did have to meet John Madden one time yes I've watched him tell that story it's a good story that's pretty funny it's a good story 877-867-1670 all right you got the NFL draft NFL draft week going on you got Aaron Rodgers week maybe more importantly also going on. Brian Gutekinds will speak to the media today at 3.30 Central. Tomorrow, we will carry it. Tomorrow, we will react to it. Coming up at 1, I want to maybe say what we expect to hear, what we want to hear from Gutekinds when he does meet with the media. But I wanted to touch on this. So uh, the Bucks obviously also going on. Maybe the one team that's been overshadowed a bit by everybody else is the Brewers, which is off. It often happens in the beginning of the season, 
when it's NBA playoff time and it's NFL draft time, the Brewers are one of the best records in baseball. They're actually no longer in first place in the Central because the Pirates are playing absolutely out of their mind. Sustainability models, Grant, probably don't love that to continue, if we're being honest, projecting forward. Come on. But they this are. This team would never collapse in the second half of the season, Ben. Uh, as an owner of David Bednar, the Pirates' closer in fantasy, I'm loving that they are winning games by one run and one run and one run. He's been incredible. But Brewers yesterday, 12-5 loss to the Red Sox. They led. Uh, it was tied, excuse me. No, they led 4-3 to three after a run in the seventh, entering the top of the eighth. The Red Sox. Do you know, by the way, how they scored that run? Was that a Yelich single? No, it was a Weimer. Well, so I tuned it in on the radio. I was driving. Weimer got on second, was bunted to third oh. by Blake Perkins, and then Weimer scored on a wild pitch. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So small ball. Something small ball crowd. Yelich had an RBI single earlier in the game. Yep. So they, eco, they, they get that run over. It's four to three. And then in comes Mr. Matt Bush to start the top of the eighth inning. After, I will note, Strezlecki, Milner, and Williams all pitched the day before. And I believe had been used somewhat regularly. I know I've seen Strezlecki out there a lot. It's a bullpen that's been pretty taxed, for being honest. Even though some of the starters on the club have been pitching well, they haven't given the most length. And what we saw in the eighth inning, which became the Matt Bush, Javi Garrett inning, nine total runs crossed the plate, four from Bush in only a third of an inning. He was charged with four. And then Garrett gave up another five. I don't mean to make wide sweeping conclusions and statements based on one game and one collapse grant. But the Brewers had the best bullpen ERA in baseball entering the week. They're now down to sixth. And that'll happen when you give up nine in an inning. But I think the biggest positive surprise so far has been the late inning guys. Williams, I, not much of a surprise. Strez has been really good. They've been able to hold leads generally in the late innings. The issue, however, I am seeing so far with this bullpen maybe with this team, is they're not deep. They're not deep at all back there. And Matt Bush was supposed to be one of your depth pieces. He's supposed to be one of the others you could bring in in the seventh or eighth to hold a lead. And he's been terrible this season. He's been horrible. Yeah. So I would ask if the Brewers have a Matt Bush problem. It's easy. You just don't put him in in those spots. But that leads me to think they have a depth problem in the back end. Yeah, I'm done with Matt Bush. Uh, we complain about the hater trade. It's impossible to understand how bad of a trade deadline the Brewers had last year. Like Outside of the hater trade, the Matt Bush acquisition had some nice moments last year, but really didn't. The Jake McGee project was a disaster. Oh, gosh. And Trevor Rosenthal never threw a pitch for him. They who could have seen, Grant, who could have seen a, that coming? Trevor Rosenthal nobody. was like 70. Yeah, well, Matt Bush is what, 36? Like, it's just... It was a horrible trade deadline. And trade deadlines are when a lot of relievers get thrown around. So you can set up your bullpen for a year or two if you, or, you know, get a rental, which, you know, even the rentals that they got last year, they sucked too. Taylor Rogers is mm. bad for the most part as well. I'd say that, yeah, don't pitch Matt Bush. Don't throw him in the eighth inning, but they're shallow. 
So you could go Strzelecki, but Varland is hurt right now. They just don't have a lot of guys. And Burns is going five innings a start, except for yeah. that one great one. Woodruff is hurt. Freddie Peralta's never been a length guy. He'll miss bats, but he throws a lot of pitches when mm-hmm. he when he misses bats. Eric Lauer also doesn't usually give you length. Council also doesn't like when he faces the lineup for a third time because he gets rocked. So they need a deep, they need more depth on the back end. I think they are a really good team. They are better than obviously what we thought they would be. It's their division, but it's an issue. It's an issue. Overall, they've still had a pretty good season. But yeah, Matt Bush has a deadline acquisition last year. He had a 2-9 for Texas in, in 36 innings going into the trade deadline. 23 innings for the Brewers. He had a 4-3. I remember some of those runs. They were ill-timed, to say the least. And then this year like so far, oh, 100%. Nine games, seven and two-thirds innings, ERA of 8.2. Yeah. And his FIP, the metrics that tell you where your ERA will trend make it look even worse. He's actually gotten lucky, believe it or not. He's not been a victim of bad luck. No. Yeah. He's gotten lucky to have an 8-2. Uh, and I think I think he walked, he gave up two home runs and then I think walked a guy yesterday, but he's had issues with walks as well in a really limited sample size this year. He's been bad in basically every department. And our guy, my friend, friend of my show, David Gasper, reviewing the brew, he was taking a victory lap yesterday because he wrote a piece last week. It's like, it's time to get rid of Matt Bush. And then yesterday, I'm listening to the game in the car as Matt Bush gives up back-to-back home runs and surrenders the lead. Nobody could have seen it coming. Nobody. I have a take. Yes. So last year, the rotation's pitching well. The bullpen stinks. There's a certain pitcher coming back from injury that we wanted to see maybe move to the bullpen when it comes to high leverage, long relief. Right now, they are not well equipped to make said move given the fact that Woodruff is out. And you, the rotation also probably lacks some depth. You, you have like a Hauser. That is, it's not healthy. He's not healthy. He's not there. But when Woodruff is healthy, which I hope is soon, because they're going to need it over the long run, I'd move Freddie Peralta back to the bullpen. Oh. I'd do it. You need, you need, like, he misses bats. That's a skill you need. You need a guy next to Williams, and given how he's pitched so far, next to Strezlecki, and then Milner's your, your lefty. You, you need a longer relief guy. There's a high leverage spot in the sixth inning. I, I would consider moving Freddie Peralta to that role because he'll pitch a lot of important innings. And, yeah, it's, it's been okay as a starter, but he has not shown the ability yet in his career really to get through a full season as a, as a starter. At least he hasn't shown it over the last couple of years. There's always something that comes up. I would consider moving him out to the bullpen. Well, you probably get more bang for your buck with a good pitcher in the bullpen versus as a starter, right? You can use the player more often. You can be more selective about when you use them. So if you need a really trustworthy pitcher in a given spot, you have more flexibility to deploy Freddie Peralta when you want. I think he makes a lot of sense and he works really well as a long reliever. I just don't know if you can rob Peter to pay Paul right now and steal from your rotation to feed your bullpen. If Aaron Ashby was healthy, okay, well then maybe he's an option to start or go in the pen. Or Adrian Hauser. I think Hauser is destined for the pen no matter when. He's rehabbing in AAA right now. Right, but he doesn't miss bats. Like, that's not a... Which is why he needs to go to the pen. 
Well, which is why I don't trust spot. him in the pen. That's my whole thing. Well, someone's got to pitch out of the pen, Ben. <laughs> someone's got to be the middle relief guy that no one wants to be. Do you think? Do you think Freddie Peralta and Adrian Hauser enjoy being the guy that comes in and pitches the fifth and the sixth to to mop up the mess that I, I don't know Colin Ray makes? No one wants that role. But have Hauser do it. Middle do it. middle relief is one thing. That means you're in the middle of a game that doesn't matter. What I'm talking about, high leverage relief, is you might pitch in the fifth and sixth inning, but the innings are still important nonetheless. Wow. You're still coming in when you're you're taking over for a starter. They need an out. Get me out of this inning. Then we have the top of the order coming up in the sixth. Get us through the top of the order before we can throw Streslecki and, and Williams. Or maybe you even have Freddie Peralta pitch the eighth. I don't know. Being flexible in how you can use him. And, and again, I say this when Woodruff gets healthy because – Aaron Ashby being healthy is great, but Wade Miley is being that guy right now. I think Ashby's probably going to be a long relief guy. And maybe at some point, if he finds it this year, he can be a, a high leverage reliever guy. I Put just don't think Brandon Woodruff's going to be back anytime soon, and neither is Ashby. Right. Let's say Ashby comes back, though. They have what? One real lefty in Milner? Yeah. I would consider putting both out there. You want a big rotation because you don't want to overstress the guys. But come, I mean, they'll make deadline moves. They'll add to the pen. But come July, August, when you start to shorten the rotation, when it comes playoff time, I'm doing that. Yeah, you're more flexible. You can pitch him when you need to pitch him. And I think Craig Council probably agrees with you. I just don't know if they're starting rotation right now is deep enough to steal from. I think no. that's the biggest problem. No, now it's Which not. I think you're acknowledging. Now it's not. It's a question of when it is. That's a move I would make. That's a that's a place I think he'd be more valuable at the moment, to be honest. 877-867-1670. Tough losing th- two of three to the Sox. I feel like it's the first series they've lost in forever. So things are, I mean, things are obviously going as, as well as they could for the Brewers, minus the Garrett Mitchell injury as well. Um, yeah. Which really sucks. That was a guy that really excited for, had been playing good ball. Uh, they now welcome in the Detroit Tigers, the 7-13 Tigers. Good old get-right series. I don't remember the Tigers visiting the Brewers anytime recently. So that should be interesting. That game gets underway first tonight, 640. You got Bucks and Brewers going on at the same time. And then tomorrow and Wednesday. That's when that series is. 877-867-1670. We will step away. We will come back. Uh, I want to talk about Brian Gutekind's upcoming availability, what we expect. We could take your calls on the Brewers. Would you agree? Would you move Peralta to the bullpen as we get later in the season? We could talk Bucks heat coming up tonight as well. And then the NFL draft. It's a big week. Uh, it is being labeled as Aaron Rodgers week by myself and also some. We're, but we'll be right back. It's uh, Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We're back. Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills. Top of the hour coming up. What are you planning to do in August, Grant? 
Do you have anything oh, no, at the no, top of mind that you're planning to do in August? Um, because I have some I audio really... for you when we come back. Interesting. What am I doing? In a... What do you do in August? Well, we might be talking about Aaron Rodgers and the trade. Are you gonna play the Rob Domofsky audio? Yes, I am. Of him uh, on ESPN just now, updating where the Packers stand in the trade talks and what could be happening. We'll, we'll play it. We'll react to it coming up next. Uh, I, I hope to be done with it. I, I hope to observe from afar. I hope to observe New York media losing their minds when there may or may not be attendance at certain events. I'm excited to see the unfair expectations they set for the team that when they don't win the Super Bowl, everything's a disaster. That is what I hope to be doing. I don't know if that is realistic, we'll say. I don't want to do that in August. I can I can start to narrow down things I don't want to do. I don't want to be talking about an Aaron Rodgers trade because that means it's kicked around all summer is a possibility. I don't like that. So Rob Domofsky uh, was just on SportsCenter talking about where the trade stands. We will play, again, that audio when we come back. Also, Brian Gudikins meeting with the media in about two and a half hours. We'll talk about what we want to hear. Preview that press conference with the Packers GM. That's all coming up next. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels.